Hi there, Matt. How are you? Hi, David. Yes, very well, thanks. Good to be here. Good to see you. Um, so, yeah, so uh, it's, it's, we're recording this on Friday at about 4.30. So uh, both myself and Matt are very excited. It's Friday. It's nearly the weekend, nearly the end of lockdown. <laughs> Happy yeah. days. So we're nearly there. So, um, so just a quick, quick, quick intro to everything, as, as you know, I was about to do. So um, I'm the CEO of GCS Recruitment. It's my 20th year this week in, with GCS recruitment. So there we go. Congratulations, <laughs> uh, that's some good innings, that is. Yeah, I know, that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about my my first placements in a while with regards to the company we worked for, but I think we'll talk about that already. Um, GCS is a global technology recruitment firm um, who specialise in linking, connecting expert talent to innovative companies, um, of which the, the company that Matt represents, Elsevier, uh, is one of those very innovative companies. Um, GCS Connect and the Leader Series is our way of bringing that community together with online events, webinars, uh, and this podcast in order to kind of share conversations, ideas, um, and different um, and, and different subjects, which hopefully allow people to kind of really you know buy into and kind of communicate with people within these communities. And we've been doing it now for uh, a couple of years, and it's been really really good to see some of the outcomes that have come out of this. Um, Matt is the uh, Director for Quality Engineering at Olstevia, um, based in Oxford, um, and uh, I believe they have a history of 500 years, you're telling me, back to, back to the original Dutch or something like that. We won't go too much into the history, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't really, copy the exact date, but the, the history is, it goes back when, some way. When so. Gutenberg was putting the printing press together and he was stood by his side thinking, how can I make money out of this or something like that. Uh, Matt is um, someone who's got a number of years experience in, in, in this area. We're going to go through into more detail. I'm really excited to have him on board because obviously we know that QA, testing and quality is such a key part of every single software process. And it's really interesting for me personally to kind of find out how that has been affected by the kind of current COVID situation. Um, Matt, obviously that's my introduction to you. Do you want to take us through a little bit about your role, what you do, you know, your, your particular kind of interests within technology? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so in terms of my background, um, it's my first proper job, you could say, back, I think, 2001, Natural Adabas programmer um, for a well-known oh, okay. car company. Yeah, well-known car company Adabas. in the northeast of England, where I'm from. Um, so started out in the, in the software development space. Yeah. Um, but since 2006, when I first moved into um, software testing, I yeah. would say, you know, I'm a... I'm a software engineering quality guy, I guess, is, is the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so all my roles in the last 14 years or so have been within in the software development space, but always with that quality angle. So yeah. whether that's been for consultancies or, or program management or whatever mm. that's been, it's, it's always been from a, a testing and quality assurance perspective. What, what attracted you to that side? I mean, it's a little bit like a kind of recruiter. I don't think people always want to get into computers, but don't necessarily want to be tested. So, you know, I always say no one's ever grown up wanting to be a recruitment consultant, right? So, has anyone yes. ever grown up wanting to be a tester? So, but, but when you do it, I guess you love it. So, what, what particularly attracted you to that side as opposed to maybe more the development side? Yeah, that, that's right. It's, it's not the sort of thing, as you say, grow up, you want to be a, a software tester or a quality assurance guy. Um, yeah. Categorically, no one has ever done that. Personally, myself, and I, I think this probably goes for a number of people. I, I kind of almost 
fell into the role a little bit. And I knew I enjoyed working in the software development space and, and wanted to learn more there. But then you, then you look around and think, well, what exactly do I want to do? And I had a good opportunity came up uh, for working for a consultancy. So um, I wouldn't say it was a planned move into, into this area of software development, yeah. but once you get there, it's, it's definitely a mindset you know, mm. for, a, for a QA person. Um, it's yeah. above anything else, the technical skills, whatever it might be, it's the mindset. Yeah. You get these people that are naturally curious. They naturally want to, to break things. They want to understand how something works. The sort of person when you're a child, you might have taken something apart and then failed to put it back together again. It's, it's that mindset yeah. of how does it work underneath? And yeah, that's okay. what I always look for, you know, recruiting uh, QA people is do they have that, that curiosity? Yeah, okay, and I think that's what attracts yeah. most people to to the role. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, it is the you know when whenever we're like training recruiters and how you know how to understand technology, you know, things can't go out with bugs, can they? You know, we always talk about a computer game. You play a computer game, and if there's a bug in it, unless they put the bug in to give you a special way through the levels or something like that, you would be amazed, wouldn't you? Like you can't release stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and so therefore you have to test everything probably as much as you develop it don't you? It's, just, it's an integral part of the whole uh, life cycle that, that's right and part of my roles that I do is, is promoting that, that viewpoint and that mindset because mm. funnily enough I don't think that, that kind of mindset's always always been there in the industry you know, it was very much a especially when I started out it could be an, an afterthought whereas these days it's very much becoming more integral to the development process itself and um, that's one of the roles I like to think I perform is to promote that mindset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And do you think that's that's also links into what the developers are doing? You know, do you have to promote that mindset in I mean, I know yeah. with agile and testing as developers and that sort of thing, it is much more integral now, but you know, yeah, you exactly. Kind of look, look, that, at, look, think about what you're doing, that thing. Yeah, that, that's something I hope we can talk about in a bit more detail as as, as you know the chat goes on, but um absolutely. Um, if you're just focusing your your quality in one role, you're going to have to hire an awful lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it, makes, right, yeah. it makes sense for the company to to infuse that quality mindset throughout the org. And that's everybody involved, not, not just developers. It can be uh, the, the owners of the product, the architects, the developers, yeah. whoever's involved, really. That, promoting that quality mindset gives you a lot of return on, on, on that investment. Who's the company that, that you look to that you think they do it really well? Mm. Oh goodness, that's that's a hard question. I mean, the obvious tech companies spring to mind, you know, the, the, the Googles and the Facebook of this world. Yeah. Merely from the fact that they've they've managed to um, come move towards a very fast turnaround continuous delivery approach. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the problem with doing that is obviously you go faster, you, you can make mistakes. So the, yeah. the, art, the art form, I guess, is, is, to, is to, to move fast, but also do it in a quality manner. Um, yeah, those those yeah. big tech companies seem to have cracked that, um, mm. where it appears mo most other industries are on a journey to become a bit more like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, link, I think it, it links a lot into kind of DevOps and that sort of thing. And that, like you said, that continuous development, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. So, so you as a leader, um, you obviously came from the shop floor, as it were, where you're kind of doing the job and moved into kind of management and leadership, which not all not all technical people do. Um, at what point did you do that within your career? 
Um, reasonably early on, actually. I, I think okay. I, I took on my te first test manager role, I think two years into my software testing okay. career, which was really scary at the time because it kind of felt like yeah. um, felt like a bit of an imposter, you know, taking on mm. this role that I'd never done before, where everybody else you talk to, the developers, whoever, they, they know more about it than you do. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it was quite, quite an early move, but I was, mm. I was lucky in my career. I had a I had a few people around me that weren't scared to, you know, to put people they thought could do it into those positions and give them, give yeah. them the support they needed. So um, having a good boss is always important and having someone that looks out for talent and, and looks to put that talent into positions where they can, you know, they can progress. Yeah, that's right. It's because really I think it's, uh, leadership is definitely something that is kind of within you, isn't it? You know, you, you can... And from an early age, you know, I know with people we have within GCS, there's certain people that, that can take on responsibility. It doesn't really matter what age they are, does it? Yeah, leadership's not, it shouldn't be a position. It shouldn't be a, a job title to an mm. extent because you get leaders at all levels of the organisation. Yeah. Uh, and often you, you get the, you know, the, the, the fresh blood that comes in with new ideas. Yeah, uh, who, who show lead, yeah, they can show leadership more than anybody else. So yeah, it's it's important to identify those people early on, I think, and yeah. look to support them in those in their careers. And as a leader over the last few years within your organisation, what are those kind of significant challenges that you've you've had to deal with? You know, uh, as you've progressed through your kind of companies and projects. Yeah, so I was thinking about this one a little bit, and considering you know I started out in software testing around two thousand and six, mm. um, that almost feels like a, an, another lifetime ago, another generation. Yeah, uh, you know, you feel like the old guy reminiscing about the old days because in terms of software development, it was a different generation. Mm. Um, the big challenge I've had over the course of my career, especially someone in quality. Um, is reacting to the fact, you know, most companies, they operated within their own, uh, their own domains. So if you're mm -hmm. a publishing company, you're a publishing company. Uh, these days, what I'm seeing is a lot more companies are moving towards being a tech company with a specialism. Right? So yeah. you're no longer a financial services company. You're a tech, tech company that does financial services. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons for that is, you know, is the explosion of digital offerings and, and needing yeah. to be able to update your offerings on a very regular basis. Um, when I started out, there was a lot of industries where if you were deploying new features, upgrades, say once every six months, once every yeah. four months, you may have been market leading in your, in your industry. Um, mm. These days, most industries, if you're deploying every six months, you, you're one of the lower performers. Yeah. So that challenge comes with this Everybody's moving to being a tech company. Everybody's mm. speeding up. Everyone needs to deliver continuously. Um, from a quality perspective, if you kept working with the old ways of working, that, that is a, it's unsustainable. It's a nightmare. So for me personally, a big challenge has been reacting um, to that, that, that change in the market where everyone's moving towards uh, continually delivering. And yeah, that's right. And, that, and I guess that links into the kind of the automation tools that you use. It links into, like you said, having quality yeah. go through the organisation. Yeah. But I guess you know you and your in your role have to take some quite big calls, right? You know, and I, as they say, but do you ever have you ever learned from mistakes? So you have said, okay, that's fine, and then it's kind of bit you. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> every, <laughs> every, day, every day, perhaps, yeah. is, is the real answer to that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, in my type of role, you have to use technology to address those challenges. Mm. Um, if you're continuously delivering, you, you can't come up with a strategy that says we're going to manually test every new feature. Yeah. Um, so you, you need to embrace and adopt technologies to do that. So mm. the move of software testing into DevOps, um, the more recent, I guess you could say it as a rebadging, re I suppose, some ways. You, most software testing roles these days are quality engineering roles. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's not just a change of a name. It's actually a change of focus as well. Um, software testing is always still part of it. Uh, but for me, quality engineering is, is really building in um, the, the quality and the testing aspects into those CI pipelines and into DevOps. So, I mean, that's, that's the, for me, that's the direction of the market. And as for making mistakes, oh yeah, all the time with that. Um, yeah. uh, hiring is a good example. Um, <laughs> big, mis big mistake early, well, as I say early in my career, actually, mm. the big mistake I've repeated a few times in my career, unfortunately, is um, hiring for perfection. Right, so, yeah, okay. So talking about DevOps, so if I'm hiring mm. a, a quality engineering guy, it's very easy to say, you must know all of the CI tools, you must know uh, all of the tools that manage your version control, your code. You must know all the performance testing tools. Um, and eventually, with these good intentions in mind, thinking about building quality into, into DevOps and CI, you come up with such a laundry list of, of requirements that you're never going to find this unicorn person that can meet them all. Yeah. Um, so I've had yeah, to we, learn we get that recruitment sometimes, you know, sometimes like what the recruiter has to push back on. Mm. You know, you, you've got, this is the budget you've got. This is what you're asking me for. Yeah. And it's sometimes yeah. really hard for recruiters desperate to, to make the placement and make the customer happy. But sometimes you have to say that you're not going to find this person. This is, yeah. this is a unicorn, you know, <laughs> you know, you, this is what you will find for the money you're paying. And even if you paid all the money and the sun, you still wouldn't find this person because it's not, yeah. it's not possible to combine all these, all these things, or there's one person in the world that can do it. And yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're already working for you. So <laughs> and that's usually what we find is yeah, you've got three of them. They're already working for you. So you have to, how did, how did they start? And then you kind of refashion the qualifications. And I think, you know, hiring the right team around you as a leader is a great way of overcoming those challenges and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, for you, you've obviously talked about the progression of how quality and testing and and, and software has progressed. How, how, what tech tools have you particularly used yourself that have sort of helped you to, to grow with that? I mean, you talked about people, but you know, how have you how have you changed your armory and your toolkit, as it were? Yeah. So I mean. Look back ten years. What what defined say um, a tester that was technically minded or on new tooling? Yeah. That was probably someone that could do some database queries, perhaps, or they could do some um, you know recording style automation, where you you press record and you you go through a, a user journey, and then mm -hmm. you simply repeat back that recording. That that was probably what defined a you know a set of tools or a technical person in. And quality assurance 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, today, I guess what we look for in terms of tooling, um, quality engineers that have a, a good understanding of, of CI pipelines. Yeah. Um, so that, that continuously automating everything is, is a theory that's 
some people buy into. Yeah. I'm not quite on the side of automating everything. I, I feel there's always space for, for humans and the human elements. Yeah, yeah. But automating away as much of the repetitive, um, boring stuff as possible, I think is a good yeah. strategy. So in terms of tooling, um, what do I look for for my QA engineers? It, it is, do, do you know the, the common pipeline tools, the likes of, say, Jenkins? And yeah. um, can, you, can you select and use the automation tooling, that, the test tooling that we're going to build in? Yeah, whether yeah. that's um, whether that's automating the UI front end, automating at the API levels, or even at the lower layers, um, that that strong focus on the tooling is, is important. Yeah. and and do you do you think that you know from your side, you know, I guess without the automation test tooling and setting up in the right way, there'd be no way that you could have this continuous development where you're releasing new products on a weekly yeah. or monthly basis. It would just wouldn't exactly without that tooling in place it wouldn't be possible to to maintain high standards of quality whilst also releasing on a continual basis. Yeah. And one one interesting thing you just said there is that you, you feel obviously that automation can't do everything. You know, and you're obviously a leader and you've talked about hiring people and one of the key things um the key things that that, that we're talking about here is um as leaders you know, and leaders, you generally think about leading people, right? Rather than robots. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you probably automate your leader. Um, can you see a point where you would be running a, a series of automated test tools or do you still do you still see that the, the human element within, well, every job, but particularly kind of quality is, is important? Yeah, so to some extent, I think it depends on, on, on what, what you're building. Mm. Um, some things can be done repetitively um, yeah. without too much human intervention. Um, but take the example, you're building a, a brand new product or you're, you're implementing a, a large change to the behavior mm. of a product. The, the, the automation can tell you um, what's been broken since the last time you ran it. It can, yeah. it can check what you've previously tested. But it's not yet, I don't think, at the point where it can replicate that human curiosity you know of, yeah. oh, what happens if i try this or um that that's blue should it really be red um there's still yeah. that human that human element you know talk about the curiosity that i look for in in, in quality engineers earlier i, I yeah, think that's, that's right. still a, still a big part of what we do today so um tooling, tooling is advancing you know machine learning in particular is, is starting to make way, waves in software testing starting to come to the point where it can be useful mm. so maybe that'll change my mind two years from now but uh, you know as we sit here today i still think there's a there's in most situations there's definite room for the, the human element yeah I, 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 it's, it's very interesting isn't it and it links us into the kind of leadership side of your role and the, the role of everyone that we speak to on the leader series the, the question i always ask is we're working from home at the moment and that's not even fun anymore is it it's not even like a new thing oh we're working from home just, yeah the novelty's worn off yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think we're both we both discussed we're both in tier two so we mm. can, we can go to a pub at some point and yeah. see our friends but not really that thing we're kind of to go under the cover of the night right so i think we're all understood that this is the new way of working how has it changed your way of being a leader and in fact actually this is quite interesting because you started your new role in july so you're telling me you've only really actually met your team once 
and the, your boss one. So how, how, how is that? I mean, what is that? Like? Yeah, th that's right. So I, I changed roles yeah. beginning of September. Um, yeah. So I went through the whole recruitment process uh, virtually. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I, I would normally consider myself to be uh, someone who, who does well in a in a interview situation. I normally like to think I, I come across you know, well. Uh, yeah. My success rate of interviews is is, is pretty good, but yeah. doing it virtually, honestly, it was there was a difference for me. I, I found a bit more of a struggle than I would normally do, you know, going to an office mm. and interviewing. And I think it was simply because just not used to that way of working. You know, yeah. missing out on slightly on the human elements. Like you go in for an interview in, in an office, and you might get the opportunity while you're walking to the the meeting room to have a chat about you know the weather or football or whatever it might be uh, you, you don't so much get that over over zoom or, or one of the other tools you can use so i found it strange it was a, a weird experience for me and i've yeah, been to the office once once in three months so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was i was telling people that uh, my third ever placement um my start of my career was at that building it's a huge building and i placed the vax vms operator i was telling you wasn't i so back in the day so it's a, it's a lovely building isn't it and it's, it's, you know you go into the, the offices now and you think god this is just such a waste of a space isn't it you know, our, our gcs office the headquarters in Reading, we could have 70 people in there and i've been in there they've got like four or five you know and looking around at this, this beautiful space that you've created and it's wasted isn't it you know so so yeah so how can you how has that changed you? Have you been a leader in you know an environment probably where there has been some remote working, but mostly on site? Mm -hmm. um, how, how has it changed the way you've worked with your people? Yeah, I mean, I think well, there are some there are some upsides, and I think one mm -hmm. of those is is that it does force leaders to to work in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to put a, a lot more effort in actually. Um, so, say the example you have a new starter coming on board well you, you have to make more of an effort with that person you need to spend more time with your people to make up for the fact you, you're not seeing them around the office every day mm. so for me I, I've, I've switched to a way of being much more focused on my people um, almost being a, a little kinder I would say mm. so my That's own experience good. coming on board you know with Elsevier mm. it's, it's tough because you can't walk around the office you can't you can't bump into people at the coffee machine. You're, you're relying yeah. on the on the kindness of strangers to some extent. You know, uh, putting in yeah. Zoom requests. You know, a half an hour formal meeting just to have an informal chat in people's busy day. You're asking yeah, yeah. you're asking quite a lot in that situation. Um, so I think it's incumbent on the on on people that are already established in their positions in in their companies. You know, be that extra bit kinder. Re reach out to the new starter. You know, offer to offer to have a half hour chat with them. Uh, and do you? Obviously, this is a new employer. Are there in particular people of kind of HR kind of driven that? Or have you, do you feel that the induction has worked well? Obviously, you talk very highly of the new role. Um, yeah. Um, I, no, I'd say it's it's more of a culture thing. Um, if, yeah. you, if you're just relying on HR to, to do the heavy lifting, you, it's probably not going to work out too well. I think it's more of a culture thing. You, yeah. You need to you need to have that that same behaviours across the board. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you you mentioned about the interview and being strange. Is that was it was it partly because it's difficult? If, you know, it's quite intense, isn't it? Like a, a video call, you can't really exactly can't see what's going really going on, and you know, it's it's much more open in some ways, isn't it? You know, face to face. 
yeah, that, that's right. It, it, it's a little more intense. Look, mm -hmm. maybe six months from now, you know, if, if we're still all doing things over over video calls, maybe we'll get used to it a bit more. Yeah, um, but it, does feel, it does feel a bit more intense to, to be doing everything over. over They'll bring in the virtual video. reality and then we'll be in virtual reality kind of conversations. Yeah. And, that sort of thing. and um, you know, within your business, um, you know, the business that you're working within, has it changed them? Has it changed their business focus? Has it changed the way that they're getting their leaders to work? Have you, have you, have you been able to see that? Yeah, I, th I think it has. I think it's it's pushed a lot more focus on on certain elements. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of companies are, are, are trialing ways of of working a bit smarter like that. Maybe a, a no meeting Friday, or mm. um, you know, maybe groups to bring people together, not just talking yeah. about work all the time, because mm. uh, you need to have that focus on on mental well being a lot more. Sure. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always the worry. You know, it's, it's that one person that comes on the video call and is always on mute, never switches on the camera. You know, there are people that need that extra little bit of support that aren't working, yeah. aren't reacting quite as well to the situation mm. we're in now. And as leaders, you need to work a little bit harder. You need to know what's going on with your people uh, to be there to support them in those situations. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And and now you're recruiting yourself. You know, what what other um... What other advice would you give to, to other kind of leaders who are in that position where they're out there recruiting? What, what do you think is important for, for managers and leaders to do? Mm -hmm. um, so important in recruiting, you know, keep the communication going constantly. Um, yeah. One of the things that really attracted me with Elsevier was that constant communication during the whole recruitment process. You know, I was mm -hmm. never left wondering what's going on or how well did I do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got regular feedback and, and then you know if there was a slight delay in between a, a stage I knew about it and I knew the reason why so it, it kind of you know it calms down the nerves of the candidate a little bit um, yeah so yeah that, that focus on the, the good regular communication and regular feedback throughout the recruitment process is, yeah. is something that's uh, is something that I think about quite a lot yeah because there's less of that kind of high touch like interview you know you can and then you can actually move the process along much quicker because we, we found UCS is no logistics, is there? It's not like I've just I've just driven from Sunderland, which is where you're from. Like oh, I know you don't live there anymore, but I've just driven from Sunderland to Oxford, so I can't. I'm not going to drive there on Thursday as well. Whereas if you didn't go in a meeting, you go, oh, cool, yeah, we could do all the meetings in one week. You know, move the move like you talked about, like the automation process, you get moving the recruitment process through a lot, a lot quicker. The meetings can all happen in a in in the same way. So. So that, I mean, that's in some ways a positive, and, and that was how how the world of work can work, and obviously the world of software. What what positives do you think you see coming out of the future technology landscape, and particularly with a with a focus on quality? Um, are we talking about the you know with the current situation we're in at the moment, so ways of working or general yeah, direction of technology? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's very much around what we're trying to do here is is just talk about, you know, that like you said, and like we just said, you can move the recruitment process forward more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's elements of, of positivity that's come out of this this new situation. So obviously there's difficulties, but for you working with your team, 
what positives do you see coming out of how you can deliver more quality software faster, more consistently, more continuously? Do you think you can use this this way we're working to to improve the service you're giving? Yeah, I think there could be some 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 lasting changes that come out of you know what's gone on this year. Um, mm. You know, we've talked a bit about changes to the recruitment process, looking after your people a bit more, having that focus on your people a bit more. Um, there's certainly a much more focus on work-life balance for people as well, which yeah. has got to result in improvement in, in productivity. So yeah, I, sure. I, I see some good improvements in, I think there'll be a, ch a difference between companies. I think the companies that really invest in the situation we're in now, you know, turn it to, to an advantage, invest in work-life balance, we'll see those productivity gains. It'll be interesting to yeah. see the difference between the, the high-performing companies and the low-performing companies in that respect. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's those, yeah. Those, those productivity gains we could have, you know, not having to commute to offices all the time, um, being able to work a bit more flexibly. I, I wonder if that will result in, in productivity gains ultimately. Well, that was quite interesting, actually, because you were just talking there before about, like, you know, releasing software and software releases. So so is is there, like, an internal kind of – is there a competitive – like, you would watch other companies and how fast they're releasing stuff and, you know, do testers look at that sort of thing and think, oh, God, how can they how can they do this this quickly and work so well? You know, is that a thing? Yeah, maybe to an extent, yes. <laughs> every company is on, on their own journey. You know, some, yeah. some companies are still battling with – trying to get their releases down from a quarterly perspective to maybe a monthly. Um, others are releasing every sprint, others are releasing multiple times a day, um, depending on the industry and, and how much they've invested in their tooling. So yeah, yeah I guess the, the, there is a bit of uh, competition going right. on there, yeah. <laughs> I like that, it drives you forward sometimes. And for you going forward, how, how do you feel, you know, we talked about automation, but how can other innovative technology help you to deliver a better product? As a, as a leader and as a, as a as a quality manager yeah so from a from a qa qe perspective um you know the direction of travel with technology the last few years as we've talked about is is investing in, in more in automation yeah i think that will continue I, I can't see the direction of travel there changing that will certainly continue um and then we've got the more i guess the more bleeding edge technologies around the edges which have made more headway in other uh, disciplines and industries, but maybe not so much in, in quality engineering testing right now. Yeah. Uh, so take, for example, machine learning. Yeah, okay. Um, that's, that's starting to bleed into the software testing industry. We're yeah. starting to see products that help with automation, taking some of the, because you think about automation, you think, right, it's, it's automated, so it's all fast. But actually, under, under the covers, there's a lot of manual effort that goes on there. You know? Yeah. Uh, creating the scripts, creating the elements in the scripts, updating them when they change. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's an awful lot of manual work that goes on under the covers. Um, I can see room for, especially machine learning, automating away the underneath part of, of automation um, and helping, you know, helping especially with maintenance. So that maintaining your, your test scripts, maintaining your, your quality checks, uh, that could come a lot faster and a lot more smoother. However, I'm yet to see a lot, a lot of benefits there. I would still call it a bleeding edge technology when it comes to software testing. 
yeah because it, like, like you said it links into quality doesn't it so you need to understand yes okay you've done this you've automated it but have you done it well you know that's the whole it kind of says it on the tin doesn't it really you need to make sure that things are done right and, and it goes back to like you said about that whole cure curiosity element you probably bring all this in and then you want to break that and see if that doesn't work or, or not <laughs> exactly yeah. testing the tests yeah mutation testing is a phrase that's becoming more popular these days and it's yeah, testing the test is always a good thing wonderful well so I, I, yeah I'll, I'll use that when we when we post this on social media i'll do hashtag mutation testing see if that kind of picks up anything and lastly so obviously we're coming from a recruitment and a talent point of view we've talked quite a lot about this in terms of how you build the leaders um how do you think that the the recruitment landscape is going to change in 2021 you know you obviously a product and someone who's been involved in the process of actually finding a job in a virtual world so you know it can work um yeah. what what do you think that the key changes will 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 continue and, and stay yeah i'll be interested to see how um the recent changes will affect sort of flexibility of working yeah um in that my, my guess is the, the recruitment uh, catchment areas are, go, are going to grow right because yeah yeah, yeah we see if, if you're not tied to a particular location then as a as a hiring manager I'm, I'm suddenly thinking well can i can i can i reach out to talent that's you know isn't maybe in a certain location yeah 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 uh, and i think it's starting to break down the perception that especially a perception that's come with Agile, you, you need to have people co-located, you need to have everybody in the same room. Yeah. Uh, and although you still get the benefits of that, actually we are seeing that you can work successfully in a remote fashion. Yeah. So I wonder as a hiring manager, as time goes on, will, I, will that open up a whole range of, of, of new talent to me that maybe are in a different region, a different country, um, and not located in the city of your office? We've done a few Connect series discussions on that with talent people and we've got quite a few companies that are working with that and I, I definitely think that it's um it's a whole it's a whole new world and when we're speaking to candidates ourselves you know open out your search facilities it doesn't have to be five minutes down the road you know the, maybe the, the best job for you could be could be 100 miles down the road but this is this is a really good match for you um and I think you know for me um having that that kind of opportunity can only help the candidates and help the clients. One of the interesting things, and I don't know if you guys have discussed internally, is having people work on a more global basis, how that links into, you know, cult, like you, you mentioned culture, et cetera, et cetera. You know, how, how you're gonna get that culture and that, 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 um, that, that nurturing element when everyone has all be, like is all everywhere around the world and, and that yeah. sort of thing. Have you, have you, have you, in your past, seen any good ways of working in those global teams that's worked quite well? Yeah, so um, getting that, that good communication going when you're not always in the same room, you've got to replicate that in, in different ways. Um, so you know the regular daily conversations, stand-ups, uh, the use of video conferencing with with videos on. Uh, if you put those things in place, you, you, I believe you can replicate um, the in-person feeling to to an extent. Yeah. So in terms of best practice, yeah, definitely keep up the communications constantly um, through a variety of methods. So yeah. yeah, use your video chat, but also you know have your instant messaging 
chats on the go, make sure that you, you have uh, forums or, or chat rooms set up for particular topics that you need to discuss. Um, and when it comes to meetings, again, as leaders, you have to work that little bit harder. So um, the, the old days of throwing in meetings for everything it needs, needs to change. Yeah. You, need to, you need to be a lot more focused. So meetings should have an agenda. They should have a, you know, a set time. Ideally, yeah. finish them five minutes early just to give people a, a little break to, to go and get a cup of tea or something. That's right. But, but as leaders, work that little bit harder to make sure you, you, you get that culture embedded with the teams. I think that, that, that comes back to the whole idea of this leader series. Is You're a very good example of that, Matt, is that as leaders, we need, we need to, to build that, that great team and we need to build that great um, culture. And it's on us to do it isn't it you know that's that's yeah. you know like, think about the meetings think about how people are performing think about how you bring people into the business it's not down to the people within our team to do it that's that's our job and i think a good leader does that really well and obviously yeah. and that's the, that's hopefully this, the secret of your success and why you've risen so quickly through your career Matt. so yeah so it's been great speech today um really good to understand you know the the way that, that the software and quality is, is developing. And, um, and I do hope you have a nice weekend because it's now the end of the week, isn't it now, Matt? So we can go off and it is. have it's, it's After 5 p.m. on a Friday. So yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good feeling. But yeah, thanks for having me, David. It's been, been great to chat. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt. Mm -hmm.